0: Yes, sir. I'm gonna bring up a lot of. I'm gonna bring up a lot of people in today's uh, episode of looking through the glass onion. Right on. Uh, a lot of people are gonna get kudos they don't typically get. Oh. Okay. okay. We're gonna start with Jackie Lomax, right? So George records, um, I believe Wonderwall is the name of the record. Is that if, it, if it's off the top of my head? I believe that was a record that George was producing for Apple Records with Jackie Lomax. He's in LA. He starts hearing about these Moog synthesizers, right? Yeah like, oh, what's this? You know, we got have the latest and greatest. And so he, yep, and my computer stopped, Jay. So I'm going to keep going. If you're still receiving me. I am. Okay, I'll keep going. Um, he, he gets a Moog synthesizer, takes it back to London. So anyway, there's a great thing. I want to talk about Yoko Ono for a second, Jay. Right, right. Y- Yoko doesn't get a lot of love. Um, you know, she's attributed with breaking up the Beatles, but I want to also talk today how she influenced John in positive ways. Let's talk about the songs that he wrote for her, including this one is heavily influenced by Yoko, uh, not just as a love song, but her musicality, her avant gardeness um, really influenced this song. And I think probably what makes it a great Beatles song. I also want to talk about George Martin, which I didn't realize how important he was to the song. Totally. Um, we're talking. Right? We're talking about the song Because off of Abbey Road. Uh, man, a great one, of course. Finding out that some people think this might be the best Beatles song. I don't know if I agree with that. I've just seen a lot of people, and I think I know why. I, it's kind of a snobby Beatles song. Uh, <laughs> and I mean that in the best way possible. Like. Like if you were like, oh, you know, the Beatles, they wrote She Loves You. And I would always counter with, yes, they did. But they also did Because, which is a very, very complicated song. So let's talk about the recording of it, Jay. This is one of the second to last Beatles songs recorded when they were still together. You know, Free as a Bird is a Beatles song. Right. Um, I Me mean, Mine was the very last song. This is the second to last song. And it starts off. You can get take one now in the remasters. Let me let me check out the date here, Jam. I don't want to riff too hard, uh, but they go into the studio on the first and fourth of August, nineteen sixty nine. Go into Abbey Road two on the fifth, and Abbey Road on the on the third as well. Abbey Road. There's a lot of Abbey Roadness. They went all over because they were struggling to get the vocals correct. I'm assuming.
1: Right. Right.
0: Because when they re-release Abbey Road, uh, just 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 last year, you hear the first take. Which is essentially Ringo clapping on a loop, because I think, I, from what I understand, George and uh, George Martin and John had to lock in perfectly, and they played that part together—the harpsichord, uh, guitar part. Let's talk about that. So, what do we what do we have there? That's is that a regular harpsichord? No. Talk to me,
1: <coughs> it, Jay. It's a mm. Baldwin Combo Electric Harpsichord with a, so it's a, it it looks like a mini um grand piano and then it has a it also has an attached well by a, by a wire essentially a, a, an amplifier so it, it came as yep. a a package deal emi purchased it as one of their um, instrumental options and uh John thought it would sound make the song sound more classical because of the right. influence of where the song came from so uh, that was part of the reason why they went that route.
0: It's it's a really cool effect. I mean, it's it's um right out of the it's a very beetle thing, you know? I mean, it's we kind of hear it before and I say kind of because they speed up the piano sound in my life and it gets kind of that harpsichordy, electric harpsichordy feel.
1: It does, yeah.
0: It isn't it isn't a harpsichord a lot of people think that it is. It's it's a piano sped up, but it has a really cool sound to it and we kind of hear that again in this song. It's a very difficult part to pull off. And I didn't, I always thought it was John. I don't know why I always thought it was John that played this part. I thought just because of the Yoko influence and my little knowledge of the song. But no, it's George Martin because he would have been the only person that could pull this off. This is a
1: very difficult <laughs> it, it is.
0: piano piece that he's playing. However, John, again, we talked about this in the last couple of episodes of the show about how Yoko might have challenged him musically, I think. I think we start to really see John push himself. I, Dig a Pony is a great example. There's a song in a three, four time where he's doing a kind of a cool riff. Uh, you're, you're hearing it really in this song. This is a John song, not a Paul song. And it's probably technically the most difficult Beatles song that they play.
1: It, it Yeah, I mean, ju- I can say that from experience. I mean, yeah. John's guitar part is is not easy to play either. And uh, it's interesting because that tone that he has on that song is, I mean, it's pretty lively. It's not just like, a, oh, let's turn the fender up to like three. It's it's pretty oh. overdriven for that sort of song. And so to, to I mean, it took me a long time to get this song sort of dialed in and, and to be able to play it not tentatively because part part of the the challenge for me is that you have to have that tone while playing this very reserved part, you know, that is also right. kind Something of tricky make- to play, you know. So right. yeah, anyway. So yeah, and when
0: I mean you hear it in the in the yeah, it's wicked. In those Abbey Road remasters you hear John plays it perfectly. In fact, I just listened to it this morning. He does a little bend in there that I don't think makes the recording in the first one. It's like yeah, man, he goes to India and develops this finger-picking style that's very difficult. I mean, it's, you know, I, he just knows how to do it because he knows enough about guitar to get away with it. And it's like <laughs> a little trick that only he can pull off. Right. You know, uh, right. and man, we really hear it in here. And I I think that's got to be Yoko's influence. I, I don't know any other way to, to put it other than he, he hears her play Moonlight Sonata, you know, so let's play the game again, Jay. Let's go. Let's Google what drugs were the Beatles on oh. when they were recording Abbey <laughs> Road. <laughs> and with a simple Google search, you see that John was heavily influenced by heroin at this point.
1: Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, I can't in speak
0: it. from any personal experience towards heroin, but he was all up in it. Right. Um, and, and, and you kind of hear it in the song. It's a very dark, not Beatley sounding song. I don't, I don't know what it is. Earlier, I think you were talking about a John song, how it was a a bridge to imagine. And I think this song is that way too, mm. lyrically. You know, it's, it's very simple lyrically, but it's very deep, you know, because the world is round, it turns me on. Again, we're talking about turning things on. He's drugged out. He's stoned out. Yoko's playing Beethoven. And he hears this and he's like, play it backwards. backwards is a big thing to John. And he hears this melody, which it isn't perfectly played backwards. It it isn't that. But it's very delicate. It's very cold.
1: Yeah. There is an iciness to it. Yeah. Right. A heroine
0: would have had to have influenced that.
1: Yeah, Um, totally. But very deep. Yeah.
0: Very, the bridge, the line on the bridge, love is old, love is new, love is all love is you, is as deep as in the end the love you take is equal to the love you make. Totally. Paul delivers it in a different way, if that makes sense. This is more the heroine, like, you know, you feel the weight of the world. Again, brilliantly beetled with Paul's, hey, it's great, this is the end, but isn't it all great? (laughs) There's another way they're brilliant, my friends. Yeah. They coda themselves even when they weren't writing songs together. (laughs) Uh, So... George is—they uh, call it an electric spinet in our in our uh, revolution—the head book. Paul
1: oh, also the Baldwin.
0: Play, the Baldwin. Uh, gotcha. Paul also plays a great bass line in this. Very simple, but very effective. Yeah. And counteracted with George on this uh, this moog. George, um, did George play all the moog on this album?
1: No, I think Paul Mesa-
0: Paul did Paul Mesa- it on
1: it? Uh, uh, Maxwell Silverhammer, I believe. But But in this
0: one, it's very, it's, it's a great George line. It's not very difficult. Uh, It's a part I've had to learn how to play. It's not very hard, but it's super effective. Underneath all that difficult, this kind of, at that time, people would have, their mind would have had to been blown hearing this on a Beatle record, right? Totally. In context. It's like, what the hell is this? (laughs) What magical synth, you know, what magical orchestra do they have? And it's George, you know. Right, I got this in LA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: a Moog 3P modular synth. Uh, I've never seen one in person, but I, I imagine they're it, quite is, large.
0: It, it looks like an old uh, like telephone operator thing. Totally, because right? like I mean, to patch bay that sucker.
1: It, it's where it's where like your modern day synthesizer. Oh, call up patch thirteen. That. Goes back to <laughs> having to patch cables in to actually get an oscillator to you know talk to a a shmush mushma.
0: Yeah, and, it's, uh, it looks like it has like an old one of those. Hey, Flo, get me forty two fifty. <laughs> like you got it, boss. Where there's an actual hamster inside of that thing. Doing it. Like it but it's so awesome. I mean, we hear the uh, you know we hear the Mellotron, of course, in early Beatles songs, which again is mind blowing. But this just upped the stakes in so many ways. And the Beatles all—you know—Paul uses it all throughout. You know, "Band on the Run." It's everywhere. Oh, really? Okay. It's just so effective. Yeah, you yeah. know that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This talk to me about because I know you're taking. Jay is currently uh, getting a degree in music at, from the Berkeley School of Music, and he is an <laughs> honors student. So, we're very lucky to have him on our podcast today. Jesus. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> <laughs> we have an expert with us um, <laughs> Talk to me about Like the difficult The musicality of this song I mean I, it's way Way beyond my knowledge Of music We have a lot oh, of different Modes too. happening here All this Talk to me about Any of that If you can <laughs> Enlighten me Because <laughs> I'm reading It's like uh, You know so
1: Yeah Oh I mean, I, was, I mean I was reading arpeggiated. that <laughs> I, I actually skipped over that Because I'm like I didn't want to bore anybody With <laughs> Okay good <laughs> With that Good uh the interesting, the thing that stuck out to me is that this is probably the only Beatle song that uses a flat second. There we go. Uh, I, which is I. the second, the second, do-do-do, uh, it's the second chord in the measure. Um, a flat second is very rare in popular music. You'll hear it in classical music, but, uh, so it's, you know, it's the do-re it's the note between do and re if you're going do re mi fa so, la ti do um and so you you very rarely hear that um and the interesting thing about the flat second is that it can go a lot of places but it sounds really weird uh in context of what what it is and it certainly sounds weird here um so yeah i mean i i can't i i can't go into the theory of it cuz I mean, but, I bore what you myself. did was perfect.
0: No, now I kind of understand it. So that weirdness that we hear in there clearly is influenced by Yoko.
1: Yeah. Clearly I mean, there's, there's that
0: classic, it's like a classical passing tone, I'm assuming. Right. Like, way to classically end a phrase.
1: Yeah. And I, <laughs> I'm making stuff up now <laughs> there. So, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a, a major co- scale based song that we, that, you know n- well not 90 75 of popular music is based on a major scale the other 24 is based on a minor scale and then oh i'm probably over but there's modes that you know <laughs> um that go beyond that and this is i don't even know what mode you'd consider this but uh maybe phrygian yeah there you go i'm gonna See, stop right there before no I- that's good
0: No, that's good because it brings me to my point that I made earlier that this is kind of a snobby person's song. And I'm not saying that you are, I'm just saying musicologists can discuss all of this about this one song. And so the Beatles also have that in their bag of tricks, if you will. Right. Well, and I think that's why people, yeah. I mean, this song, you could put this song on on Sergeant Pepper very easily, give it a peppery feel, and it's like, oh yeah. That's the beauty of their music. This one isn't simple. John didn't even know what he's doing.
1: Right, right.
0: We played it a hundred times, and we're trying to explain what it is. And it's like, I don't know. This one is just way harder than any of their other songs to play. It is. And it's it got to be the – it's way, way, way difficult. We, of course, will get to that. Um let's talk about what they went through recording the vocals to get this right on the song. So (laughs) the the thing about the Beatles, and I'll give personal experience on this learning to do this one live. This is a song that I know when it came up in the chord book, when my brothers and I were growing up, we would skip it because it was in a C sharp minor or something, you know, like the second I see a chord like that, it's like, we had to skip that. And so when we started yesterday and today, this was a song we knew we wanted to do and my brothers and I could not fake this one. Right. Um, And the Beatles, who are like brothers, also couldn't fake this one either. And you'll find in a lot of their music, they're really just throwing stuff out there and it lands, you know, or George Martin says, throw a sixth in there and you've got a Beatles sound. Um, That's what's cool about the Beatles. They were always changing and trying new things. And this challenged them, from what I understand, way beyond anything else they ever did vocally. Uh, And man, Big time. it is very very tricky it doesn't this boy is a hundred times easier um any of the beatles harmonies are way easier than this one because they're lot they layered it uh nine times right if i'm understanding correctly, we have a layer of nine voices
1: right so they're they over twice times three yeah
0: yeah uh it's awesome and it's very difficult and they struggled with it. But the payoff is what we have now is you can release acapella versions of the song that are just as effective <laughs> as the, you know, the ones with instruments on it. Um, man, I, I, they are, this shows their genius on so many levels.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. You know, it, it, it's interesting, you know, like how, so slight side sidetrack. So I've been, uh, I love to ride my bike, and so lately I've been going through McCartney. I've started at McCartney, and I've been listening to uh, solo McCartney uh, along with solo Billy Joel. And, and I have a question about, about for you about that later.
0: Um, oh, can't wait.
1: <laughs> but so it's interesting to me how John, you know, Paul was influenced by classical music around – Pepper time and, and was very avant-garde. And so it's it's interesting how great, how, how much the partnership of those two, you know, how lucky they were to have met each other and the partnership that, you know, there was definitely a competition that made them both better, you know, and it made yeah. the Beatles better. Um, right. But so so John tapping into what was sort of Paul's, you know, realm of being influenced by classical music, and him coming to it through Yoko, um, how cool, you know, but it, it made right. them, it, because of that sort of competition slash brotherhood, it, you know, they just continually ele- elevated each other's game and it's so cool.
0: I think that's what I love the most about Abbey Road. You know, it's my favorite record and I, I I just, I think it's the greatest record of all time because of reasons like that, because of a song like Because, it's, it's like John doing Paul. We have Oh Darling to counteract that with Paul doing John and John I always totally. thought I'd sing that better. And it's like, come on, dude, it <laughs> would be awesome, but he just wrote a better John song than you. But here's one where John writes a better Paul song. And then in the medley, you kind of see John picking, or Paul picking John's pieces up because he's kind of a shattered person with heroin. Right. I mean, these are all these unfinished ideas. And instead of Paul going, listen, dude, finish these songs so we can have a complete record. He goes, you know what? You take your part of this album, do your thing, and I'll take your remnants and make it genius. That's what makes them the Beatles. And oh, by the way, on this record, George becomes an equal in every single way. That's what makes it so good. You know, totally George probably has the two best songs and he outbeatled all of them totally.
1: Uh, Although it's interesting, George, this was because it's George's favorite song on the record at Paul's as well. Yeah,
0: and that I've been thinking about that lately, Jay. I mean, as a side note, you know, I'm I recorded an album during this dark quarantine time and I think I'm kind of realizing I was in a dark place, and as I'm mixing it and listening to it you hear things back and it's like, nobody else will like this song, but it'll always be my favorite. Sure. And there's gotta be, you know what I mean? For, for whatever reason, like whatever I was doing in the studio, whatever frame of mind. and you think Paul and George have to love this song because think of the time they would have had to spend woodshedding it, learning how to sing this song. Right. Right. You know? And I mean, you know, personally for us, um, there was a time when you weren't with us in the band and in that time, we kind of woodshed this kind of stuff, my brothers and I.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was like, hey, to pick up for Jay not being here, we better be able to sing this kind of stuff, you know. And my some of my favorite memories of doing yesterday and today now are like standing in an empty hallway with my brothers, saying, "Okay, sing this a cappella." It's this song's kind of a binder like that, you know, you sure because it's hard. Uh, so I don't know. What a great one! I love whoever picked this one. It was somebody from that listens to us out there. Thank you cuz I feel totally different about this song, you know? Like
1: Oh, totally. It's fun to dig into these and and this would have been like song 150 probably. Like I wouldn't have thought <laughs> about picking this one, you know? And no so way. uh but it yeah, it's super cool. Okay, so I have some I have my random Please. notes. Yeah. So Ringo is a click track on this. Like, he was, right. in, he was in the studio playing. You said he was hand clapping initially. You, you can hear that on take one, yeah. You can, okay. So and I think he switched to... Switched to the hi-hat, yeah. And high so hat. he wasn't right. recorded. He was purely there as a metronome for, for George Martin <laughs> and John. Um, Paul and George Harrison were up in the control booth. Um, Paul was um, being Paul shall we say and was was <laughs> like okay that was that sucked let's do it again so they were down the three of them were down in the studio for hours 23 takes they finally are like exhausted they come up and listen and go back to take 16 and emric talks about this in his book take 16 is an excellent take cuz that's the one we hear on record and apparently john <laughs> looks at paul like you know, gives him side eye to say the least, which come from John Lennon, you know. I, I wouldn't I want to be on the receiving end of that. But anyway, uh they were all so fucking tired they didn't care. So um so 23 takes went back to take 16, which I think is great. Um part of what George loved about the song was the harmonies, it it took him back to Yes It Is, which is the last time they oh, sang yeah. sang like, like that. that. Um the lyrics, very much inspired by Yoko's 1964 book, Grapefruit, and when she talks about wind, earth, and sky.
0: Again, very, you know, maybe the, one of the best parts of the song, of course, are the lyrics, and that comes directly from Yoko. So,
1: totally, totally.
0: Marking another one for that fifth beetle.
1: Yeah, she was, she was <laughs> trained as a classical pianist as a child, so that's where her playing... Uh, Piano Sonata Number Fourteen and C Sharp Minor, Opus Twenty Seven, Number Two, which we there he s- comes, which we sometimes or more, most of the time refer to as the Moonlight Sonata, um, mm. and the- also heard in "You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown." No, <laughs> <laughs> anybody, just me, <laughs> Charlie Brown. Love it. Um, Paul bought the uh, Paul bought the harpsichord, which we hear on "Free as a Bird," and this is the thing. This is. One thing I read today that I th- thought was most interesting, and I never considered this: some people consider the Abbey Road medley as starting with "Because." I've I've heard that as well. Yeah, and it's so. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'd never thought about that, but but if you listen to how it ends on that chord, do 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 do, and it goes it kind of so nicely and, into "You Never, you never give, give Me Your, your Money,", money. Um, I. I don't well, know. It
0: you know what, Jay, it, it makes sense. Works. I mean the last line of the medley is and in the end the love you take is each love you make. And of course John talks about, you know, love is old, love is new, love is all, love is you. So it I'm throwing my hat off now, <laughs> Jay. They're just so brilliant.
1: Uh yeah, so that's uh that's all Man. I got. But my gosh, what a great song.
0: It really is um I want to talk just briefly before we talk about Billy Joel and Paul solo Paul McCartney I mean uh-huh, I'm uh-huh, going to uh-huh. bring that back up uh-huh. Um playing this song live is definitely not for the faint of heart uh this song is hmm we have learned it where we could do it acapella, my brothers and I. So w- there was a time when we opened it like they do in Love, which this, this is what opens Love. If you've seen the show Love, they take the music out. You just hear those ahs and it is like a blanket. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So we stole that for a couple of years and we were opening like that. Uh, we also used to close the first act for many years uh, with with this song as a tribute to our dad because it was a song he would have never thought we could have pulled off. Um, <laughs> Because it vocally, it is the most difficult Beatles song by ten. I don't know if yes, it is. Is also very very difficult. It is number two, but it's you can figure it out. I mean, sure. they're just this one. You need to sit down with the piano. You, we had Darren Pettit at that time, like sitting there saying, "This is your part. You're singing it wrong." We go, "Oh gosh!" And then every time my brothers and I would get together, we'd sing it a cappella for a year before we started performing it live. So. <laughs> And that doesn't even include the really difficult harpsichord part that has to be doubled by the guitar with a perfect tone, like Jay Hansen talks about. Your drummer has to just sit there. Hopefully they can play the, the, the mood part because it's not that hard. But I mean, that's it's it's a this is a 10 out of 10 difficult song to play live. If you, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, without <laughs> play, question. I've done it a hundred times and I would still get nervous if we were going to do this song just because of the vocals. I still sweat. Yeah. I have to sing that Paul part. And it's real hard. It's tough. Anyway, yeah. how about your part on it?
1: Well, I mean, sure, the the harpsichord and the guitar are 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 difficult, but again, I I mean, I've, you know, I tried to learn that that part uh just like winging it. And there is, like you said, there's no winging it. And and normally yeah. I can f- I can always find a note that works, but you can't just find a note that works. Like you talked about earlier, the Beatles did that a lot, it seems. Um, but you have to... I mean, George Martin, again, uh, this is another example of his genius because he, from what I read today, he orchestrated those parts. I mean, he he spelled them out and and also played... <laughs> the harpsichord part. So, um, yeah, I mean, isn't that great to think about? I, I don't know why that just feels so
0: good to think of. Because I, I, you think of Abbey Road, and they say they genuinely made a record together,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you hope that it was that way. You know what I mean? Uh, and this feels like they did. Like we talked about the jamming, which I love, and get back on this one. I mean, they were like, you know what? We're gonna really spend time on this one, and we're really gonna craft this one and make it. Special, you know, if they would have spent this much time on Across the Universe, it would have sounded better. I'm, I'll say it. I mean, Across the Universe is a great song. They jacked around with it, and it just doesn't sound like because. Right, right. And this is why Abbey Road is such a great album because even the songs that didn't deserve the treatment that it every single one got, they're still amazing. Yeah, especially especially this one. And I say especially. It sounds sometimes it sounds like I say especially, but I'm saying especially. <laughs> All right, I know, I know, but it's because I was raised in the South, and I'm just trying to cover up my accent, y'all, especially when it comes to that word. Before we rate this song, Jay, which I have a feeling we're going to rate it pretty high, want to talk about Billy Joel and solo Paul McCartney? I'm
1: yes. Okay. It. So, so yeah, I, 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 I was thinking about this yesterday. So, um, yeah, last week <clears throat> on my bike rides, I started, I started it. Well, what is it? Cold Spring Harbor? Is that Billy Joel's oh, yeah, first the one, one that sped up? Yeah. Yeah. And then I started there and then I started with McCartney and I've been going back and forth. They both Cold Spring Harbor came out in 71, McCartney came out in 70, right? Okay. So let me pose this question to you. Oh, I We, we might we might be going long, but that's okay. People can eh, people can hear it. It's on out show I, everybody. That's right, right.
0: We don't even have sponsors.
1: <laughs> okay, so okay. So let's can let's let's pretend for a moment that Paul McCartney's musical career started in 1970 and that McCartney okay. was his first release his first as an his artist. First who's had the who's it? had the stronger solo career? McCartney or Billy Joel?
0: Oh my god. Okay. Where are you now? You started at Cold Spring Harbor and McCartney. McCartney is a, definitely a better record there. It does Cold Spring Harbor. Oh, Cold Spring Harbor
1: is not good, but but no, it like, has major errors. Wildlife right? and uh, Red Rose uh, no, Speedway are Speedway. not great. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're gonna make Sorry. me defend that. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll give seven, you. A, all right, I'll give you a okay, song on. on Red Rose Speedway. My love's on there. That's an amazing. Sp- my song. love is one of
0: his best. Yeah, that's right. Wildlife sounds like awesome. a dude
1: who's just like really high and really full of himself, and like, oh, I'm Taking just gonna. A <laughs> Sorry, that I've only listened to it once, no. but that was my take on a bike. But I this ask you because okay. All right. I ask no, no, you no. because You're, I because I'm just here and I'm going to ask you again once I get to Billy Joel's last solo record and and we have to we have to consider that let's stop it. When was Billy Joel's last solo record?
0: Okay, this is my problem with Billy Joel, right? I knew you were going to go there, Joel, and so yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I do. here's my problem. Paul does have a dark period, and I don't want to talk too much about his dark, but he's had like four really bad albums. Uh, Billy Joel doesn't have four really bad albums, but okay. it's only because he started in 71 with Cold Spring Harbor, and then he had all of his issues, and he wrote one of the, you know, he's written 52nd Street as one of the greatest albums Uh Turns, I don't, don't get me started. So when he gets started, he's amazing until 94 when he's that's his last album. 94 River okay. of Dreams. He stopped in 94. Now, so, some of McCartney's best work has happened since 94. Flaming Pie has come out. Egypt Station, that just came out, is as good. It's way better than Wildlife. So you're talking about, and the problem with McCartney is he always has to compete with Beatle Paul. Oh sure, sure. And he has to get and he has to get comfortable without life without John, um, and maybe that's what he struggled with the most. I mean, who is who is Paul McCartney's equal? There is none. Right. I mean, John Lennon. Right. You know, the only time we've really seen him shine. Uh, Without a doubt, you know, there are very few Beatle misses with Paul McCartney. He has very many solo misses, but he has major, major hits that none of the other Beatles have. Right, right. Band on the Run, put it, put it up to any Beatles record. And I'm telling you, it will stand up to it. It is Bat Ram is... Whew. Oh,
1: Ram, you know, Ram is amazing. Ram is amazing. McCartney is solid.
0: And I, I, don't know if there's a Billy Joel album as good as Ram or Band on the Run, but in the '80s, Billy Joel is way greater. I mean, the stuff Billy Joel's doing in the '80s, I prefer a million times to Paul McCartney's '80s stuff. That so you're talking like Uptown Girl and that doo '50s stuff. I'm into. That's a tough question.
1: Oh, I know, and that's that's why, because I knew, I knew if anybody, if anybody could enlighten me, it would be you, because I know you are, you are, you are much more familiar with Solo McCartney than I am, and you're infinitely more familiar with, with Billy Joel's. Output. i've See, never listened to anything but the hits really with billy joel i've never owned an album and so that's wait, why i'm wait, going through his, this his
0: mid-70s stuff is unreal jay it's i mean in riverfront uh stormfront i'm sorry which has like uh we didn't start the fire mm-hmm. when i moved to nebraska that was the tape i bought in at fort benning when we moved here it was like we got to get one thing nice and for my walkman i got billy joel's stormfront so i mean that's loaded with great songs and then River of Dreams is awesome, but he hasn't done a thing. River of Dreams is his last one? That was his last. I mean, he okay. did. He,
1: so, so I, it, I don't know
0: what, I mean, that's, you know how I feel about that. It's like, no, I, but you're a great songwriter. You're going to tell me you just felt like you couldn't, his take is he can't compare himself to what he did before. And Billy, I say Billy to you, Joel's Paul, take? And Paul McCartney had to do that and has done it. Yeah, right. that's his take. It's like right. I'm never gonna write anything that will touch anybody like Piano Man or he says. I, I think that. that's, that's lazy. Interesting. Man. Oh, that's that's his take. And for me, it's like no, you're just so successful that you don't care. And that's what it feels like to me. It's like you're right. Paul could have stopped after the Beatles. He, he would have never had to write another song.
1: Right. Right. <clears throat> you know, I don't yeah, know. Paul's, that for me, Paul's that's, work ethic is is with. Unparalleled. I mean, it, it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, clearly the guy doesn't need to be doing it, and the fact that he does it, and he's not—he's not, he's not twenty-year-old McCartney. He's not even sixty-five-year-old McCartney. No. But no. he still goes no. out and does it because I mean, he gift, looks man. around and he yeah. sees what him being there performing does for other people, and also, I mean, I mean, he doesn't need the money. No. Like he, I isn't his, there his was a wife. His wife I mean, may make got, more yeah. money than he does.
0: He, he they are equal in the amount of money they're worth. And when together they are the they are the <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> I mean, there was a time after he got divorced from Heather. I mean, he did lose half, but I mean he then became the top touring act in the world by by 10. Right. At his age. Yeah. You know, and what's cool is we still see the effect his music has. I mean, we talk about it. That's why I love Hey Jude. You know, right. we get to see right. what that, why that guy, when that guy wrote that song, me singing it for some people is just as effective as him. And it's like, how great is that?
1: Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah.
0: That's why you see people in their wigs dressing up like the Beatles and Sergeant Pepper, because we fucking love them that much. And I said, fuck on our podcast, <laughs> but that's what makes them so awesome. Are we going to have to Billy put an Joel, e
1: on that? Like,
0: we the, might have to put it, an e. I said, yeah. fuck. I've dropped an
1: F bomb a couple of times too. So,
0: right. so I love that question. Then I think what you're going to love is Billy Joel is a genius. And maybe, I don't know. Here's my question. Do mm. you wanna, what I think you should also do is start listening to Elton John at the same time.
1: Oh, I, I Elton's the, next. The arc yeah. of
0: those three. I mean, because Elton maybe should have stopped when Billy Joel did. Love him, though I may. I mean, he still made a lot of records and you go, oh, really? I love him. But I mean, McCartney's still at a number one record at his age.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's
0: great, this is the kind of stuff we talk about on our podcast. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Favorite Billy Joel song. Before we rank this one, give me your favorite Billy Joel song so far just oh, with your kind of knowledge of him.
1: So I I mean again I have to defer to songs who that maybe weren't hits that I've that I've heard, you know, randomly because again I I I and I'm embarrassed to admit I've never owned a Billy Joel album. Um but I'm just coming up on whatever record has angry young man.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I want to learn how to play that piano part. To watch him play that live is the best. That's why it's like, why, why, why are you the lazy guy? Why can't you be the McCartney and still, that song is so good. <laughs> Summer Highland Fall, Jay. When you get to that one, man, that is, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, we've all been there and it's about kind of being bipolar <laughs> and the song just hits you at a spot where it's like, yeah, sometimes life is the best. And sometimes life is the suck and I can't find the middle. And man, that's what I love about Billy Joel. His best songs are the ones most people don't know.
1: Right, right.
0: Like my, Cartney loves Vienna. My daughter's 17 and she heard Vienna. Do you know that one?
1: He played it at Madison Square Garden last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I could go on. This is our other podcast. (laughs) We're going to talk about the Eagles too. I still don't get why people don't like the Eagles It's like, how can you be a Beatles fan? We
1: can talk about that because
0: I'll I'll, I'll hold up that side. (laughs) I know you will, but then you see the documentary and you're like, oh, here's my quick take. Okay. And we can talk about this a different. I think (laughs) the reason why people hate the Eagles and the reason I love the Eagles, like I was also like, there's a music that you and I don't intersect on. Like like the Morrissey music and oh the, sure uh, yeah 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 you know what I mean you and I don't really connect there, um, but I dig it like we still like Elvis Costello
1: right right
0: you know what I mean who's that way to that kind of new wave thing but I think the Eagles are the intersection of Beatles and country oh okay All right. like I think the Eagles are essentially just the, the Beatles of country but they're so their music is so Beatles-y that it's popular yeah. but I think essentially they're a country act they just oh, happen totally. to be so hugely influenced by the beatles that we go oh they're a rock group but i don't think they are that's my take interesting and if and you know and if you like i love beatle country songs you know oh had, god when you grew up in iowa i grew up in hillbilly delaware my grandparents loved like hillbilly country music like waylon jennings and all that so like when i hear rocky raccoon i'm like oh you know nice it's an intersection anyway eagles 9.3 on my rating system Billy Joel 8.8 because of Lazy, Elton John, <laughs> great 70s and 80s stuff, 90s, I believe in love, great Vegas show. Anyway, what song are we even doing today? We've gone long today. We're not cutting anything though, because we're in your ears and we're doing what we want. And I, the smile on Jay's face is so great right now. Just knowing how hot and sweaty we're going to get to be later this afternoon. Uh, that's, oh, Yeah, it's going to be great. Guys, we uh, if you like what you're hearing from us, people people out there, guys, ladies, everyone, uh, subscribe, like, whatever you do. Send Jay uh, fan mail. That's how this song came about. We weren't going to pick because, but one of you out there did. So that's why we're doing it. We've had the best time. Um, we're looking through the glass onion. We're looking for syndication, baby. No, we're not. We're just having the time of our lives. Jay,
1: rate oh, we this forgot. song. Rate
0: it. Uh, I'll go 9-2. Nine, 9-2. Two. Nine, two. We are really close on these. I'm also going 9.1 on this. Got to nice. be on that playlist of quintessential Beatles songs. Um, if you like Solo John, this is this is George Martin producing Solo John and not Phil Spector.
1: So, oh, good, nice, nice, good way to ah, look at that. You like that? Yeah. yeah.
0: Every now and then, when all this stuff comes out of my mouth, one smart thing <laughs> does happen. So. <laughs> Jay, it's been a true pleasure, my friend. I guess oh, right do I, I have
1: to pick the next one You're as next. well, don't I? You're next. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'll pick a good one. You know what? I know exactly which one I'm picking right now because this song, I just read, it was like one of the, considered one of the worst Beatles songs. And oh. I, in the top 100, it was 100. Good Day, Sunshine. Are you kidding me? You're going to put that?
1: As one I, of the worst.
0: As one of the worst. So you and I are going to rate it next week. The 90th song the Beatles recorded, Good Day Sunshine, off the Revolver Records.
1: Huh, all right.
0: Yeah, would you ever even put that near the bottom five?
1: No, not, not no. anyone.
0: No, neither would I. But it's because we like them all. Maybe you'll pick one one day that we don't like, and we'll talk about it, because we know which ones <laughs> they are. You don't, but we do. <laughs> Once cool. again, looking through the glass, Onion. I'm Billy McGuigan with Stur J. Hansen. Jay, it's always a pleasure, my friend.
1: Right back at you, my friend.
0: And next week, I can't wait to hear what McCartney album you're on. Let's keep that as like a side thread in here. I'm real interested.
1: Yeah. So I just yeah, I, I'm just finishing up uh, Red Rose Speedway.
0: Yeah. It's got the Linda song on it, doesn't it? Have in the house, cooking the house on there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Medicine jar, all that stuff on there.
1: Wildlife, Which man. Is where he that, gave. Was, that was that was rough Wild. to get through. That was that was rough to get through. I'll be honest. I was like, I was like, I don't think I'm gonna make it home on this bike. I just might ride off into the, into the ditch and down into I'm the. I'm trying creek to think of
0: the other tracks. <laughs> Throwing my speaker into the <laughs> So that's Wings. That's Wings' first record, right? So hang it on. Is. Well, we're here. I mean, if you're still <laughs> listening at this point, you definitely want to know what we're saying. <laughs> Yeah, let me get my phone out. Okay, it opens with Wildlife, which I used to try to go to sleep to different McCartney albums and that is not the McCartney album to go to sleep to because he comes out screaming. Dang it. Hey, I'm trying to go to the track listing here for Wildlife.
1: And I I'm I'm listening I'm to defend- the extended ones cuz I I
0: yeah, oh, that's at, that good, because that has No Woman, No Why on it, which is one of my favorite. No woman, no why. So 1971. Oh, yeah, it's hard. Um, Tomorrow is a good one. Okay. Okay, that's one you'll like. Uh, they do a killer cover of Love is Strange on there. I, that Holly. was interesting. The, I liked yeah.
1: that, yeah. That's yeah.
0: kind of a good one. Um, yeah, but good luck after that, bud.
1: Yeah, it yeah. it wasn't it wasn't riveting. I was like, okay, this sounds like No. This sounds like somebody yeah. who's needs needs direction.
0: He needed a band.
1: Yeah. And I you know, he got
0: that band and that wasn't the right version of Wings, but they're getting there. Yeah. Tomorrow is a good one. Right. That's about it. I got to be honest with you. All right. <laughs> My final rating of the day, I'll I'll do it. Wings Wildlife 2.3. I'm sorry.
1: Okay, good. Good. No, that's I'm glad to hear that cuz that's that's about yeah. where I was at with it. I was like, okay, Where's this is Where is Billy
0: Joel's equal in that? What's Billy Is Billy Joel's second album Piano Man?
1: Uh it is. It is.
0: Yeah. Also has recording arrows on it. Is that correct? It's like really? split up a half. Okay, I didn't. I, I did I'd never. It's either Cold heard Spring that. Harbor. He won't listen to them because I'll. And I'll. I'll get back to you on that one. I'll do some research on Billy Joel. Anyway, this has been the extended anthology episode of my favorite show on the web, Cooking for the Glass Onion. I don't know if any of our listeners enjoy it, but we sure do. Jay, you're the best man. I love this so much.
1: Right, right on, man. All right, buddy. Be
0: good. You too. Peace out. I'll see you tonight. All right. For the rest of you out there, we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye.